there. This is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. This is part two of the year-end movie wrap-up episode for 2022. Joining me are my friends Glenn Gaylord, senior film critic for The Queer Review, and Drew Drogi, actor, writer, and film enthusiast. He's also the host of the podcast Minor Revelations. Last week, we started our conversation about the year's best films and worst films and, and disagreed about a few things, for sure. Uh, and this is part two. But before we get to that, I want to remind you that this podcast, Dennis Anyone, is brought to you by me. I pretty much do it. So <laughs> if you like what you hear and you want to support it, there are two ways you can do that. You can go to DennisAnyone.net slash support, and you can leave a tip in my virtual tip jar. I always appreciate that. It helps me cover the expenses that come with doing the podcast. Also, you can become a subscriber to DNR Studios. That's a collective of shows that I'm part of, and for a monthly fee, you get my show early, and you get some other great shows and a lot of great entertainment, much of it LGBTQ-themed. So you can learn about that at dnrstudios.com. All right, here now is the podcast, part two of our year-end movie wrap-up for 2022. A movie that I feel got lost in the shuffle that I watched over the holidays is 13 Lives, uh, the Ron Howard movie about the rescue in the cave in Thailand. And it's just solidly made, really engrossing. Things about that story I didn't know. I just think nobody talked about it, and um, I really enjoyed it. I was, I, was, I was really on the edge of my seat, and I've, uh, Colin Farrell's in it, and he's become like my Yoda. I don't know when that happened, but he is like... He has all the answers to life. He's got soul. He's your breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> He's my breakfast, <laughs> lunch, and dinner. When did that happen? Like, when did he going from drinking and sex tapes and choke holding Britney on a red carpet to understanding the meaning of life and being like... I love him. I've always been a fan I of his love I think him. He's really great. And yeah. he brings that same thing to this character, a diver that's just trying to rescue these trapped, um, these trapped kids. And the way they did it there was something about the story that i didn't know until i watched this movie um how they were able to get them out and i was like whoa that's that's really um a surprise and it's just it's just solid i really enjoyed it um yeah i think colin farrell the the trick to that is that he's growing into his eyebrows finally thank you i think i think (laughs) we all hope to do that and he's finally doing it (laughs) yeah did you see the i didn't get to see it no i'm so sorry i'm not seeing it it's solid I think I yeah, recommend I've heard it. it's great. Yeah. 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 I'm not a big Ron Howard film fan. Uh, I, I think that he lacks point of view a lot of the times that you don't feel his voice really in films. And yet in this one, I'm not sure that I do either, but I do think it's a solidly made film. I think he licks the white savior complex of it all. Cause even though we do have white saviors in this movie, literally, um, he gives such dignity and credence and power to the Thai characters who are in charge of the operation so that it balances it in a way that i said okay i i see you movie i actually i, I like i can get on board this because it is what really happened so you can't take away the storyline um and yeah it reveals things that they did not report in the news for reasons you learn when you watch it that i thought were so mesmerizing yeah and so claustrophobic and fascinating at edge of your seat well, and also there was this detail that the, the Thai people there were trying to do something around the vegetation in the area to keep the water from going into the cave. So it was this massive effort on all of these different levels, and it ended up succeeding um, against all odds. And I guess it was just kind of a, a triumph of the 
of the human spirit and the ingenuity and people coming together. Um, yeah, I wish they had given the, the the kids a little bit more to play with. Uh, that they were they were not the focus of the film. The trapped right. kids. Um, I think it could have benefited from expanding on them a little bit more because it's really about the rescuer's story. Right. Uh, and I'm I'm not sure why that decision was made. It was just something that was that was glaring to me. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, you don't see the kids for a while until they kind of get to them, and then you you see what they've been been doing. Um, I love the Banish, Banshees of Inisherin. Um, I think it may be like one of the best movies of the year for sure. And uh, I don't know. I found it so clever and moving. And Colin Farrell again breaks your heart. Everybody in the movie's great. It's just this small. You see the trailer, and it's like a guy that doesn't want to be friends with somebody again. And it just feels like, okay, that's going to be the whole movie. And it's just such a simple, heartbreaking premise to start with. And then it's explored beautifully. And then it's got that Martin McDonough kind of gruesome thing that, that ends up unfolding. And I just I just loved it. I went with it. Yeah, I love this film. Uh, if, in my moments out of time, I single out Barry Keegan, uh, who I think is just a brilliant actor. And the moment where he is talking to uh, Carrie Condon, who's Colin Farrell's sister in the film, equally brilliant. Um, and I've been a fan of her since uh, her uh, work on uh, Better Call Saul and uh, uh, Breaking Bad. She's just a terrific actor. But he's kind of like exploring the possibility of being with her, and she rejects him very politely. And he just says his line, which I think is the line oh, of the film, oh, yeah. is he just goes, well, there goes that dream. And the <laughs> way he it, you get the sense that it it's more than a comic line. It's more right. than a comic. He plays into the pathos of it in such a subtle way that reverberates throughout the rest of the film. Yeah, what did you think, Drew? I, I, I fully agree with that. I thought Barry Keegan gave the, one of the best performances of the year in this movie. I thought it was riveting. I liked this movie. Um, I loved the idea. I loved the premise of it. I thought all of the actors were wonderful, especially Barry Keegan. I thought he, like, he was, stood out to me more than anything. Um, I just, I wasn't held or, or like captivated as much as I wanted to be. Um, I, I, maybe I wanted a little more viscera, and even though there was plenty of it literally there, I, I, I think I maybe wanted something a little bit more of a movie. I just, I was kind of, um, I, I liked it. I got what was going, but I, it didn't fully do it for me. Fair enough. I, here's something but I think. But it's a movie that if, if it wins, whatever it wins, especially like screenplay and acting awards, I totally, I can't slide it, but I get that. I get the, I get the love for it. Here's what I thought was amazing about Barry's performance is that he plays kind of a simpleton, but you don't quite know what his deal is, but the way he portrays him it doesn't ring those bells of, oh, this is exploitive or wrong. Or, like, I think he had a very delicate thing to try to do there. Um, yes. Where you're not – where it's a, it's a very unique to him dynamic as opposed to, oh, he's he has this or he's been diagnosed as this. You don't quite know, and his humanity comes through They may not know either. I mean, right. in that village, it's not like they're in L.A. trying to, you know – Right. Sitting up to a million doctors with a lot of money. It's like that's not the situation. So, yeah. It just seems – I think that with characters like that, it can be complicated. And um, if it doesn't work, it's, it's, it's glaring. And they – and because of his sensitivity uh, and, and, and the skill of his performance, it doesn't – 
fall into those traps, which can sometimes happen. So I'm glad it's a small role, and I'm glad he's getting recognized. I've been such a fan of his uh, uh, killing of a sacred deer, which is also with Colin Farrell. One hundred percent. Yeah. So on my radar, I thought that performance of his was mesmerizing and so cruel and interesting, and uh, so I was so excited to see him in this film and he really he delivers and he, he takes every moment just runs with it uh tell us another one of your moments out of time glenn oh it's my turn sure okay um uh let's go let's go big let's go for bros bros um, okay yeah i i just i really love this movie I, I was just i laughed so hard during this film and yet it kind of went against all my instincts of this type of film you know this isn't this isn't something that I always gravitate towards, uh, yet it, I just thought it had that Billy Eichner sort of spark to it, that, um, that edge that had just enough edge and uh, just enough imagination in its screenplay that it won me over. So it made me laugh. I saw it on my birthday with a bunch of people, and I had a great time, laughed a lot, had a great birthday. And I remember thinking, because I worked with Billy on the Big Gay Sketch Show, we shared an office, and... Um, and I just remember thinking, man, he must be having what a weekend. What it must be like right now to be Billy Eichner and the star of this movie. And then three days later, it didn't do great at the box office, and the world was shitting all over him. And I was like, whoa, be careful what you wish for. Maybe it's not so great to be in his shoes. It was just kind of like uh, this this flip flop of uh, of 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 perception. And um, I thought that was that was kind of interesting just to observe. I can't imagine what it would have been like to be in the middle of it. Drew, what did you think of the movie? Um, I feel like I'm sounding like a broken record, and I promise there are plenty of movies this year that I hated, and that's, <laughs> I, I want to mix it up in a bit. I was, I was, I was, I saw this movie twice in the theater. I loved it, and I, and I thought it was, uh, it, it made me cry. I love what it had to say about, about being gay in your, in your 40s. I love what it, about the history that we've had, the complicated the nuances of, of being gay and dating and what, and, and, and it said a lot about what Hollywood has gotten wrong about, about just gay men and, and in relationships and how we're kind of, um, I love that it took a very heteronormative uh, trope of the rom-com and had a lot of things you kind of have to just buy. You have to go along with it. Like you do in every rom-com. Right. Yet it had a very queer spin where the sex happens a lot earlier and it's not about that. Will they or won't they? kiss at the end it was like no it was it was about the the complexities and and other people are involved and they have open relationships and there's so much about it that i loved also that it the just the having Kristen chenoweth with this stone wall spinning around on her head at the awards <laughs> like what it said about how we give every year we give an award to a, a you know a straight female icon who we love but it's like you know and so to me it's so sadly not lost on me that when the movie didn't do great at the box office, because I think there's a lot of reasons why, but I'm so disappointed, but not at all surprised that gay men almost seem to take delight that a gay film didn't do well because gay men love to tear each other down as opposed to support each other. So I'm very happy to sit here with two other gay men and support this gay movie because I, I, I love it as a movie. I love it as a comedy. It really made me laugh. But I also think it it's it was groundbreaking, as was Fire Island, which I also loved this year. And I felt like, you know, more of these, please. It doesn't have to be the one that represents. But I feel like there was such vitriol unnecessarily coming from gay men who almost were happy to see this happen. And I have a, I, it's well, everything I write, everything I come from is like 
we have to do better. We have to not be this. And I'm very inspired by younger people because they don't have the hangups that we have. But we ultimately don't love to see gay men win. And, and we don't. And, and it, it, at least in, like, the way the business works. And it's like we're never going to move ahead if we don't support each other. Right. It's because interesting. Yeah. Plenty of straight people are, have no issues with it. Like, they're like, they'll go see bros. And the, and the movie did very well online. Everybody was watching it online. It was just about who went to the movie theater. And people going to the movie theater would have their, if they would spend the money to go out, especially, if, you know, take a family or whatever. It's expensive to go to the movies. They were going to a Marvel movie or they wanted to go to a horror movie. They, they just didn't pick a rom-com, you know, but I think the movie, um, you know, has done well. And I'm glad he, you know, Billy opened doors for so many other movies that come for it, you know, that, that come after it. So I am fully in support of that movie. And, and, um, and I just, you know, I just balk that, that, you know, the, the amount of gay men that were like, you know, saying that they, that everything was so stereotypical. And a lot of it is like, well, okay, but it's a rom-com and there's stereotypes and all of it. And also, what are you afraid? What do you hate about yourself that you hate seeing in a movie? Because I also think that there's a lot, yeah, it's gay as hell. And, we, and there are a lot of things about us that are stereotypical. Hi, you can listen to my voice and you know, I'm a gay man. Right. We have stereotypical things that we do. I'm flailing as I'm talking. You know, but I think that, the, um, you know, we had a, a lot of people had a lot of unchecked internalized homophobia. That's why they didn't like that movie. And I will give it if people didn't think it was funny, didn't think it was relevant. That's also valid. I'm not saying that, you know, if you didn't like that movie, you're wrong or that you hate yourself. But I think there are a lot of interesting things that have come out from our community when that with that. Movie. It was well, it was really I, interesting. And a lot of them from people that didn't see it. A lot of people well, that yes, didn't see it had like, so I'm not much to see say. They didn't yeah. even watch it. Yeah. Well, I defy people who said it wasn't funny because in my moments out of time, I highlighted the dialogue because I think it is sharp. And there's, I, I mean, agree. Like, I thought it was hilarious. Here's a couple of lines. Hey, parents, thanks for teaching your kids about Santa Claus, a straight man that doesn't exist, and not Martina Navlatarova, <laughs> who does. Um, or when they're talking about uh, uh, gay guys from a generation who have pent up masculinity issues he goes well it's not fair tina we had aids and they had glee and uh when they talk about the renee zellweger app you know it's a it's an app for oh, gay yeah. talk about actresses then go to bed and this is funny stuff yeah and also who said that in a movie before and that's how who, like oh my god that's how that's who i am i would have zellweger <laughs> I, I you know it's like I, i'm like thank you for saying that because what other movie is gonna like go there and that we understand exactly what that means um, I got the DVD so I could see all the deleted scenes and we watched them the other night. Glenn was over and uh, a couple other friends. They're all funny. There's this pride fight that happens in Provincetown where <laughs> they're just screaming pride fight. And it's because three Twitter witches are criticizing Billy Eichner on the float. Like he's not even that hot. I don't know why he gets to da 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 da. And Luke McFarlane's character tries to defend him and they get into a big fight and it blows up into this pride fight where people are vomiting on each other and, like it's it's a melee. And yeah. Oh my god! I can't a wait. Drag, a drag queen vomits on a P flag mom. I mean, it's <laughs> it's crazy. And there's another sequence with Malik Pancholi, that actor who's actually been yeah. on this podcast. Oh, I love Malik. Yeah, yeah. He oh, has this, he has like two scenes with him: a restaurant and a sex scene, and it's really funny. And I think they one just, of those was in the trailer because yeah. I was I was excited to see him in the movie. I'm so I know, but but I'm his stuff that, is funny. It must have just. Yeah, it must Glad have just thrown off the flow of the movie, and they needed to to cut something. So, 
But, um, yeah, I just thought it was really funny. Do you think gay women are different than gay men in terms of yes. supporting each other? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. I think so. Yeah, they gay women support each other more in a way that straight women don't support each other. That's interesting. Like straight women, I think straight women and gay men have the same issue. Like they meet and they immediately are like, "We, they, what's wrong with this person?" And I am fascinated by it. It's so interesting, right? There was, yeah, yeah. but yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Bros. I love Luke McFarland, uh, and I loved um, Billy Eichner's monologue on the beach. Um, well, oh my god, yeah. I'm bursting tears! I love that it existed, and I love what he had to say. Thank you, Billy, for saying that. I think my biggest laugh though is when they're in the restaurant and something really awkward gets said, and suddenly the waiter starts singing really loud. Oh my and god! It, and there. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, but super funny, and I think it's gonna it's gonna live on in all the different platforms as one of those movies you go back to when you need to laugh. Um, I will bring up a movie called A Man Called Otto, which I saw after the New Year, but it, I guess it's considered a movie from last year um, with Tom Hanks. But my favorite was, I believe her name is Marina Trevino, the woman who plays the neighbor. She's a Mexican actress. Um, she is the heart of the movie for me. I loved her performance. I wish she'd gotten some, you know, Oscar buzz. I thought she was so good. And I didn't expect to like this movie as much as I did. And I just, I thought it was well-made, well-crafted, moving, funny. Um, just one of those movies that makes you you feel all good inside. Glenn, you saw it, didn't you? Yeah. I So I hated the trailer. And I thought, there's no way I'm going to ever watch this movie. Right. And I don't know what convinced me to watch oh because i watched a man called ove the original uh right. swedish version which was academy nominated and i um uh i understand they're both based on this book the, a beloved film uh, the beloved book um and i watched this movie and it won me over i was ugly crying by the end the uh mariana treviana treviano i think Trevi- it's trevino i could be you wrong know? um Again, robbed of an Oscar nomination. I thought she was so wonderful. And when you look at the two films together, um, the second one improves upon the Swedish version in ways. Found emotional beats and moments, and her character is so vibrant, and in the original, the character is kind of not. And uh, it just found all this amazing opportunities to connect with these characters to where I just went, this is a populist film that I just adored i loved it I, I i really was taken by it and surprisingly so yeah did you see it drew i haven't seen it yeah it's worth it i like it it's a it's a you think it's gonna be one thing and it and it's a little it's more satisfying yeah, okay. it's richer it than i think the trailer i agree about on. the trailer i did not like the trailer and also i as someone who has loved tom hanks in a lot of things i I mean, this is it. I'm not going to get into that. I hate Forrest Gump, maybe more than any movie ever made. So <laughs> he said, it hasn't so, aged well, has it? it hasn't I watched, aged it well. when I saw it. I hate. I've hated it for. I, I from the beginning. It. And I just when I saw that trailer, I was like, this looks like you know Gump again uh, to steal a joke from John Waters. <laughs> Cecil be the minute. But um, yeah, no, it, I, I I'm good. I'm glad. I'm, I will watch it because I do. I do love. Love him in Captain Phillips. I love him in so many other things that I just, you know, so yeah. Yeah. I'll check it out. What's another movie you would like to talk about, Drew? I'd like to talk about something that I that I hated because we've been, I, I feel I like know. I'd be so annoyed with me listening and be going, I loved it. I loved it. It'd be like, who's this ass kisser? So here's something. Last night we saw each other and I said, I couldn't think, of, I don't think there was any movie this year that I hated. And then I realized, I will say, we could talk about the others later if we get to them, but 
there were the three movies that I can think of that I really strongly disliked. Um, all three Oscar nominees, uh, you know, multiple Oscar nominees. This one, um, I, my hands down worst movie of the year that I even blocked out last night is The Whale. Oh yeah, I think I think it is rancid. I think it is hateful. I I found it. Talk about camp. I thought the entire thing was so over the top. Yeah, I mean showgirls level like how they the everyone is acting swinging for the fences every entrance in that movie is like kramer from seinfeld people <laughs> run into scenes screaming information the opening uh, opening with a a you know a, a a fat gay man masturbating to gay porn and having a heart attack and then a a, a traveling you know jesus salesman discovers him and it's played like it's awkward as it is how are we starting with that i thought um i thought no one in this movie is at all redeemable and darren aronofsky cannot not make a horror movie like to me that movie is just as horrifying as reckoning for a dream but not nearly as interesting or as nuanced and i and nuance is something he's never been great at as far as i'm concerned i found i thought it was I was so upset at how it portrayed the eating of the chicken was, I, you know, I'll reference John Waters as much as I can. It was cereal mom when they're eating the chicken. It was like, or gremlins. It was like so crazy how everything was played to the hilt. And I thought it was, I thought it was stupid. And I thought it was actually a very mean, I, I, I thought it was a hateful, very bad well, that thinks it's that thinks it's not that thinks it's compassionate or something like there's oh, something yes. going on. Yeah, it thinks that it's like this plea for kindness and understanding. And I said, I felt like I didn't think Brendan Fraser was good. I I just thought the whole thing was like the Foley work on it. Were you hearing the his fat rolls roll around or him or the way it's shot, like the suspenseful music playing where he's trying to grab a remote control? Everything about it was just I thought was. I, I, my, it, it was like heartbreaking to see, like, oh my God, if for anyone who's like experienced, clearly made by no one who's experienced obesity or, or humanity on any level. Glenn, what is your take on the whale? Well, there's your poll quote right there, Drew. Right? <laughs> Coming in um, hot with some hate near the end. Thank you. I right. appreciate it. I'm coming in with some regret because I gave this a very positive review when I wrote about it. And I felt the regret the next day because the more I thought about it, the more offended I was by this film. And I thought I should not have hit publish on this one. It, it, uh, um, everything Drew said, I agree with, except I was moved and touched at times by Brendan Fraser's performance where he's working against everything keeping him from giving a good performance. Like you said, the Foley work, it's shot like a horror film, so it's meant for him to look like a monster at all times. Yeah. And it, it's offensive in that way. Yet I do think he found some slivers of humanity in it that did touch me. It's same with Hong Chow. I thought she had moments that moved me. Uh, yet I did keep that. I even said it in my review there are more slamming doors in this movie than in Noises Off. It, <laughs> yes, just, 100%. <laughs> and so I think that I have more come around to Drew's point of view since reflecting on it. And so this is the year that Drew changes my mind. Oh, Interesting. My I like it. 
I did not like the daughter that came in. I didn't. I didn't. Oh. I wasn't into her. I oh. liked Hong Chow, and I thought Brendan had moments that I felt, felt connected to him. But yeah, it wasn't. I didn't have as visceral a reaction as Drew did. But I, it, it wasn't one of my favorites. It, it was. Um, uh, yeah, it, it was like. Um, well, I watched that, and I can now, you know, now if Brendan wins, I know what the movie is. Like, it didn't feel like I uh, had a big impact emotionally for me. Also, the title, it's trying really hard to make some connection to Moby Dick throughout. Yeah. And I was, a friend of mine was in the play and explained to me how, and the, how the, the play is apparently great. And I love Sam Hunter, though. The, I've seen plays. That I love him as a playwright. What the play was about and the and the Moby Dick of it all is not at all connected to the movie. So it just comes off like you're calling it the whale because he's because he's large. Like I didn't because there's no like who's the Moby Dick? Who's the whale? Who's the Ahab? Who's the Ishmael? Like who who are these people? <laughs> I, I didn't understand the connection between Moby Dick and this these people. Yeah. Um, do you have another moment out of time for us, Glenn? Well, wait. Drew said he had three movies. Oh so yeah. I'm what are the other three? Oh, the other two that I really two. hated yeah. that are both Best Actress nominees were Blonde and Two Leslie. Um, I thought that Blonde was beautifully shot, um, and that's about all I can say about it. I thought it was, um, again, just a series of abuse of just seeing this person just getting one thing after another happening to her. I'm really tired of Marilyn Monroe things that don't illuminate anything about Marilyn Monroe to me. Uh, I'd rather just watch Marilyn Monroe, who I thought was a genius, and I think her performance in Some Like It Hot is one of the greatest performances in 20th century. I think she's brilliant in that movie. I get the appeal, and I'm watching this going, oh, she looks, uh, Ana de Armas looks like her, but I thought, I don't know what the point of this movie was. I found it really tacky. Uh, and offensive that this the JFK scene especially was just like shockingly amateur. I thought it was just sort of like somebody did a Wikipedia search on Maryland and was like, I'm gonna show what it also felt very virtue signally. It felt very much like a, a, a straight man wants to show like how women have been abused. And I was like, I don't know, like miss me on this one. I I just kind of was like, show me something I don't know about this icon or don't make this movie, or just make a beautiful montage of just Maryland recreated Maryland moments and we can enjoy it for the art piece that it is. Cause I did love his movie. Um, the assassination of Jesse James, that film I thought was, he's was incredible. So he's a very gifted filmmaker in terms of visually. I just thought, I thought that movie was bluff. Not well, I, was, I had worked on, uh, four episodes of a podcast about Marilyn Monroe for even the rich. So I had, dive deep into Maryland in the spring of last year. Uh, I had seen all her movies and read the books and all of this stuff. And I really came to respect a lot of things about her, uh, that she was one of the first people to start her own production company, that she left Hollywood and went to New York and got serious about acting. She was a real artist. She was yeah. such a gifted comedian. She didn't apologize for the nude photos. She was sex positive. Right. She was body right. positive. All of these amazing things that we don't really respect about her. I fell in love with her, and I thought yeah. her talent was so undeniable. And then when you see other people try to play her, like I went and watched Michelle Williams while I was researching Marilyn Monroe. I was like, "Oh, girl, you're a great actor, but you're not Marilyn Monroe." Like, it, um, she captured something about her, but just Marilyn, wow. And so 
when I, I was excited to see this movie and I'd seen the trailer and I was like, I'm all in it. And when I started seeing the reviews, I was like, oh, I don't think I want to watch this. I didn't want to, I didn't want to watch somebody that I'd fallen in love with get uh, treated like this. So I, I, so I did not watch it. Um, but I'm, I'm not surprised that you feel the way you do. Cause that seemed to be the consensus. Yeah, and I, and I think it's so sad because I had seen so much, at least in what I was working on to highlight, to showcase, to celebrate about somebody who is, you know, definitely had problems, but fought and tried and was a real artist and wanted to be a, dumb. Yeah. I did not like, I hated that the movie made her dumb. Like, she was she's, not it, dumb. It has a very complicated message about abortion in this movie where she decides, Oh wait, I don't want, I, I don't, I don't want this abortion, which is like what every religious right nutbag says what is what women do. And they, it's too late. We're, you know, like, I felt like that was very irresponsible. I thought that her, her walking on the sand and tripping on nothing and miscarrying was comically dumb. I mean, I laughed out loud. I screamed, laughed out loud when that happened because it was so like, what? She yeah. tripped on nothing. Like, it, I thought it was just like, it made her like a ninny. Yeah. And it's like, that's what she played. And that was like, what was the tragedy of her life is that she was aware she of was what so the, how smart. the world saw her. She knew. And they never gave her. I, it's, I, I hated worked. Judy as well because I thought that Judy Garland movie was the same thing. It's like, you're giving us what we already know about this person and you're not, you're not like showing what was actually interesting about, they weren't allowed to show that they were intelligent people or that they were genuinely funny people as women. And that they, they didn't want to be fun. Nobody wanted to believe them as funny because that was threatening to these guys. If you listen to to Marilyn's interviews, her sound bites, her quotes, like she was smart, witty, shrewd, saw through things. Yeah, and so hearing all of the buzz about this movie, I didn't want to see it. Did you see it, Glenn? Yeah, I'm going to part with you guys. I I think this is the most brilliant film I've ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) Totally kidding. Oh, I I was (laughs) like, I'm waiting for that to... No, uh... this this is a joyless epic. It is a slog, and it's not one second of levity or joy in any frame of this film. And I am sitting there thinking the same thing, like... Marilyn has never been portrayed as a shrewd, smart, film-loving artist that she appreciated good writing. And I wanted to see her connection to her art. And I know that's a different movie, and this is fan fiction version of Marilyn's life. But I just thought, wow, what a disservice to a person who existed. Right. That's what really struck me, because we all agree, this was a tremendously talented person and who did have undeniable comic timing, unbelievable connection emotionally to her characters. If you watch The Misfits, you know that, that she really knew how to connect. And this just trashed her life, I think, and presented one note for three hours. Yeah. And she was so ahead of her time, too, in terms of certain things like sexuality and body and things like that. And I... I like Anna de Armas as an actress, and I, mm-hmm. I, was, I think she's great in a lot of things. And, and maybe people are, you know, she got the Oscar nomination. Maybe they're just rewarding her for, like, surviving it, you know, and, and committing yeah. to it and taking the leap, even though the end product might not be for everybody. But, like, yeah, it, it's, just, it's just a missed opportunity because I think there's so much about Marilyn that should be celebrated that people may not know about her. So I certainly don't blame her for this fiasco. No. I think she- Gives it her all, but 
man. Yeah. I, I wish that somebody had taken that director aside and said, can you lighten up for a second here? <laughs> what was the other movie, Drew, that you didn't like? I really did not like To Leslie. Oh, To uh, Leslie. That's the one, the, the late comer to the Oscar race. Which I think that's an exciting story. I love that someone's like, you know, campa- where everyone's campaigning. It's the, you know, the whole thing to get that Oscar nomination and get that get that in there. And, you know, I thought, unfortunately, the movie was, I thought it was a parody of a Sundance movie. I've seen so many of these movies before, done so much better. I don't think her performance is good. I, I Her accent is horrible. The drunky acting of it all was making me crazy. I, I, I just, I, I, and I thought it was so just cliche after cliche. I just, I didn't believe anything that anybody was saying or doing. I couldn't wait to be out of there. I saw it a few months ago. Um, and so I was equally shocked when she got a nomination because I kind of wrote it off as like, no, and, you know, and I know that she'd gotten, this, and I've loved Andrea Riseborough and other things. I loved her in Mandy. I've loved her in other things, but I just found this to be really not good. And, um, I, I could never recommend it. And it's, I don't know. I get why people are angry that she got nominated because it just feels like, wait, what? There were so many great performances this year. And why? Yeah. What did you just, did you see it, Glenn? I have not seen it. I, I watched it for the purposes of this podcast. So I wanted to really thank have you. Something. I appreciate your <laughs> legwork. Yeah, I suffered so you don't have to. Uh, it's. I think it's a terrible movie. I agree with Drew. I do think that Andrea Rice Pro, who I do love, I think she finds moments here. Although it's a broad performance, it swings way too far for the fences. It's. 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 It's annoying from the the get-go. I mean, you immediately go, wow, you're trying too hard here. And uh-huh. it, it felt like, give me an Oscar, give me an Oscar type of a performance. I do think in her quieter moments where she is still and she, you see her mind working and she is thinking, I think she is riveting. But in service of one trope after another and that last act, I felt like, what am I watching? Am I watching uh, um, the sitcom Alice? That's exactly, I was going to say, that's exactly what Mitch Silva said. He called me and goes, is it Alice? <laughs> Were they in a diner? Was somebody throwing straws around, like in Alice? A straw may have been thrown or two. Glenn Gaylord, give us another moment out of time. I'm going to pick a smaller film that I don't think a lot of people talked about or saw. Um, and I was just mesmerized by the trailer. And I, it, it smacked of Almodovar. And it's not his film, yet it kind of feels like it should have been called Official Competition. It had Penelope Cruz and Antonio Banderas. And Penelope Cruz plays this um, lesbian film director who's kind of hot, on a hot streak. And she lands the two biggest stars in Spain to star in her next film. And they, and I can't remember the name of the other actor, but they um, are polar opposites, Antonio Banderas and this other actor. And so it becomes a nightmare of pre-production of figuring out how are we going to make this movie with these two guys that are completely different, their approaches to acting are different, their sensibilities are different. Antonio Banderas kind of plays this big blockbustery star, and the other guy is more of an actor's actor. And it is one extended, absurdist sequence after another. It's very controlled as far as a film goes in that it's not a big story. It just has takes you through the whole process of this film. And there is this sequence that I, I recently saw an episode of Saturday Night Live that um, featured Ego Nuodum 
uh, from it was last week for the oh it's one of the funniest things SNL's done in in a million yes. years I love, and, I've seen it I've watched it like six times I love it and you sent me the link land and I haven't watched it yet yeah it's called Lisa from Temecula and I feel that Egon Wadham hasn't been served well by this show until this moment where she finally broke out with a character that made me cry laughing and it was so funny. Um, and she committed to this character, even though everybody breaks. Pedro Pascal was the host. He breaks. Their breaking is delicious in this scene. And uh, it just was a sketch that worked. And it reminded me of how I reacted to this moment from official competition, which also had me crying laughing, where uh, they're rehearsing a, a scene, a, 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 a kissing scene, and it's not going well between Antonio Banderas and the... Uh, the, his scene partner. And so Penelope Cruz, um, is, you know, it, 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 she she thinks it's good, but it's not quite there. And then she has the other actor rehearse the scene with this uh, actor. And there's just no, it, it's joyless. It, there's no sexual chemistry. And so she just goes, let me show you. And she goes in there and she starts making out with this actress and it becomes this full-on heavy, heavy-duty makeout scene that they're rolling on the floor. And the actress's father, who's a producer on the film, is watching the whole thing in total deadpan style. And the button on the scene with the, the producer father is hilarious. And I just thought this moment, and it's got a, some laugh-out-loud moments similar to that involving a, a hanging rock that is... I just thought this movie really got its comedy right because it and it gets really ugly and dark as well. But I just thought this is pure Mel Brooks territory. It's pure hilarious comedy, well timed. Right on. Did you see that movie? I did not. No, I did not. But I've heard it's great, and I've heard about the brilliant um, rehearsing his Oscar speech to oh, God. turn yeah. down the role. I heard about that. How brilliant that is. There's a yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, to turn down the award. Yeah, I've heard how great. I need to watch it. It's on my list. Yeah. Yeah, there's an amazing scene where she takes all of their awards and puts them into a shredder uh, to, to break down her actors. <laughs> it, it's so smart, so savage. It, it's, it's... Oh, I need to watch really, it. Really overlooked film. Um, I will mention Barbarian, which I don't always uh, talk about horror movies. But uh, this one was surprising. And my favorite thing about it is Justin Long's character is introduced as kind of this douche Hollywood guy that maybe got canceled, but maybe he didn't deserve to, or maybe he did. And I love the the, the, the messages uh, by the end of the film is, yeah, he's an asshole. He is, he's that awful. He really is. Um, I just like the way that that kind of type of a person was incorporated into this kind of horror movie um, and uh, just what I had to say, you know, that it took somebody of the moment, uh, somebody that may have gotten canceled and asked us if we were being unfair and then said, no, no, you're not. He's, he's awful. Um, that was my favorite part of that movie. So I don't know if you guys enjoyed Barbarian. I did not enjoy that movie at all, and I know right. people love it, and it's on every single top ten list. I found the whole thing, like, I... I didn't, I questioned his evilness at all from the second, I, I was just sort of like, I also knew the fate, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I knew the fate of all three of those main people. Right. Just given the, I, I just was like, I knew where it was going to go. I had a, I couldn't believe, I thought it was stupid people doing stupid things. I was just annoyed with, I just was annoyed. I didn't believe that 
block in Detroit would have one golden house. One all the good other. Airbnb. And I've been told that there are stretches that are like that, but and I know, but yeah. I just that whole time I just wasn't. It was your I menu. Care. It was I your menu. Scared. I thought it, I was just like I just don't enjoy this at all. Yeah. All right. What did you think, Glenn? I had a good time. I mean, I think it's five movies in one. Yeah. Uh, that the that the 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 movie about the title character, the barbarian, is where it fails. I think it's wait become, who wait who is the barbarian? I don't understand the title at all. The mother in the basement. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. But uh, I, I guess, or it's Justin Long is the barbarian. It's it's open ended, but um, it's uh, it when it becomes flat out horror, I think it loses me. But I love the sort of reverse home invasion premise of the first part. I love the introduction of Justin Long. I loved when he's using a tape measure down in the crazy tunnel, uh, to, trying to figure out how much property he owns. I, I thought it had something on its mind, but then I think it loses it when it goes all ape shit with the barbarian character. Uh, so it, I was thoroughly entertained by it. I didn't hate it, but it's, I, I think it's, it's not perfect. Fair enough. Um, do you have another movie you want to talk about, Drew? Well, I'm going to batch, if we're going to talk about horror Let's movies. batch I'm gonna, them up, yeah. I'm going to batch some horror movies that I did love this year that we haven't talked about yet because there were a couple we've already talked about. Um, so just as in my, in my, in my, in this, I loved the black phone. Uh, it was such a throwback to, it, it felt like early Stephen King. It felt, um, I, 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 I felt, it felt brutal. I cried at the end. I thought that the children were so good at it, especially the, the sister was a revelation in that movie to me. I thought Ethan Hawke was genuinely terrifying and heartbreaking, and I was so in that movie. I, I thought it, I was riveted by that movie. I loved the way it looked. Um, it felt like, oh, anything terrible can happen. It did not feel cheesy or treacly at all to me. Um, and I couldn't understand how it was going to make sense with the phone, and then it was like, oh, my God, this is brilliant. So it, it blew my mind. I thought it was so good. Another one that I loved this year, um, I guess not really a horror movie, but it's more Hitchcocky and suspense that I thought was so twisty and weirdly very funny. And I was, I can't wait to watch it again because I, I, there's so much in it that I didn't get the first time around, but I loved a Korean film called Decision to Leave. I still need to see that one. Yeah, I have seen it. A lot of the, the short lists, I thought it, I was thoroughly in the whole time. And again, it's a lot funnier than I thought it was going to be. And, um, and, and very Hitchcocky and very much uh, an, uh, um, a throwback to Vertigo, um, especially. I loved that. I loved Jordan Peele's Nope. Uh, I, I, I don't fully can say I couldn't fully understand it, but I thought visually it was incredible. It had the scary, one of the creepiest opening scenes with that monkey on on the sitcom that I've, I've ever seen in my life. I was so, so like just disturbed by that opening. And I do wish the whole movie had been mainly that, but I also thought that that Kiki Palmer was brilliant in it. And I thought it was just visually stunning. And I just love, I love what Jordan Peele has brought to filmmaking. I loved it. And then the other horror that I loved this year was a film, uh, not to be confused with the Netflix series with a very similar title, but Watcher, not The Watcher on Netflix, not that. Watcher, a Romanian film with Micah Monroe from It Follows and um, another famous movie that I love uh, that I can't think of. But anyway, <laughs> she is an actress, and it is, the, it is a very simple movie. There is a man staring at her across the way, and it also, I 
I was screaming, pulling my skin off at the end. It's one of the scariest, most unsettling movies I've seen this year in a, in a great way. Um, looked. Do you watch scary movies at home or do you go to the theater? Both, both. Yeah. I mean, this is what, I saw this one at home. Yeah. I watched this one on my laptop and was going, no, 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 <laughs> like out loud screaming at it. It was, it was so upsetting. So um, those I recommend all Glenn, do you have any thoughts on those movies? I agree with every take Drew has on all four of these films. <laughs> it, a black phone, I just thought, is, like, so smart. And what I loved about it is that this little kid, every little thing that happens in the movie, with one exception, is important to the story. Um, there's one forgotten element that happens where there's um, a window that gets broken that Ethan Hawke would have noticed that I had a problem with because it's never addressed. But it's really just chilling. Um, I decision to leave is vertigo. I mean, it, it's just that is the movie. It's, it's so beautifully made. Beautiful. It is it's funnier than I thought it was going to be. Um, Watcher. It it is. It's a maybe a little too simple for me, but it's effective, and I think it's sort of Eastern European feel to it. Gives it a uniqueness that other films like Rear Window, it's very similar to, um, don't have. That I think adds to it because it's an American whose husband is working in Romania and she's tagging along and she has nothing to do all day. And then horror ensues. Uh, what was the fourth film? I'm sorry. No, uh, no, no, no. Yeah. No, again. Yeah. I'm not sure I understand it. I think it's a movie about uh, being seen, but it it's, it's all over the place, but man, is it visually dazzling and it has such like just memorable sequence after another that I think really sells it. That thrilled me. I think, the air gets literally left, you know, leaked out of the tires at the end in a way that that reveal I don't think lands like it should. But uh, still, I think he's just really has a point of view that I love watching in films. For me, Nope was more fun to talk about and think about than it was to watch. Yeah, it, yeah. Like afterwards, it was more yeah, fun to yeah. kind of break it down. But I loved the actor that played the Best Buy employee. His name is Brandon oh Perea. <laughs> I thought he was a real breakout cutie, yeah. and I yeah. follow him on Instagram, and he's a very good <laughs> dancer and a very good martial artist. Like, he'll demonstrate things, and it's like I want him to blow up because I think he's really special. And, I, and it was fun to see he, would, he posted, like, videos when the billboards went up, and it was fun to see what it meant to him to have this mm. breakout moment. And, um, and so, yeah, he's someone to watch, and I love that he really popped in this movie. Nope. So... There you go. Um, let me see what I have written down. We didn't talk about the Fablemans. I thought it. I thought it was pretty good. I didn't love Michelle Williams in it, but there were moments and, and things about it that I liked. Um, I thought the sequence where the young Spielberg directed the school project and sort of made the golden boy of the school sort of shine in a way was kind of a surprising um, turn of events. Um, so shocked, and you thought Tar was camp. <laughs> i love that you brought that around um yeah oh my god what did you think I, of the fablemans i thought it was just fine i think when the punchline is and then i became steven spielberg i don't <laughs> care like there were no stakes in it for me i was yeah. like all these people and he's amazing but i don't like when filmmakers make movies about themselves right genuinely generally yeah because a lot of it is like i was this misunderstood genius it's like yeah you're steven spielberg you're genius like I, 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 overall, I thought it was, um, 
just kind of boring. I love the scene at the end with David Lynch. Yeah. Um, and I and I, I actually thought Michelle Williams was good. I, I, I agree. I mean, I, unfortunately, she's not as good as she. Her brilliance in Fosse Verdon right kind of overshadowed this for me because I kept seeing her Gwen Verdon pop out, and yeah. which her Gwen Verdon's truly one of the best things I think I've ever seen. Right. So it was like hard to watch that and not think of her in that, but that's like her own, you know, not her fault for being better in something else. But I don't know. I was I was very mad about that movie overall. Yeah. What did you think of the Fablemans, Glenn? Well, we saw it together and Spielberg yeah. and Tony Kushner were at the screening. Yeah. So I think I got caught up in the drama of it all. Yeah. Um, they say on Abfab. Uh it was um uh I remember turning to you at the end and going, That was great. And you went, It was okay. Did I? Did I and say I it was okay? Off, yeah, and I came off my high horse for a second. I thought maybe that doesn't all work. I don't think I thought, it'll be one of those movies you go back to again and again. Like no, and I think it struggles to marry two different elements, which it's got a lot is going on. An artist finding his voice and a guy reconciling with his family issues, and I don't think they get meshed together at the end the way I think he wanted them to land. And I think it's the the brilliant. David Lynch scene uh, is so great, and it ends on such a funny, smart visual joke that I'm going, that's great, but I'm not sure that it marries the themes of the film. And that's where I kind of went, hmm, this is a bit of a mess, but I think it works in an entertaining way. I was really entertained by it. I loved Michelle Williams, and it only because, you know, I know plenty of Jewish mothers like that growing up. And so I thought she was real, and sometimes the stereotypes are there's a reason for them. It's like some people do talk and act like that. And I think she captured, I bet she captured Spielberg's mom. Yeah. I didn't know her, but I'm just saying, I bet she did. And so, um, I, I, I enjoyed it yet. I was dreading it because I did think that this was going to be a self aggrandizing film about a filmmaker saying how great he was. I don't think it does that. And so I was, it was refreshing that I don't feel like it goes that far, but it comes close. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of scenes with crowds going, oh, at its light work. And it's like, okay. Wow. Yeah. There's a trope in the film that brings me into the next film I want to talk about that I want to, I just want everyone to stop doing this in films, which is people looking at screens in awe. And Michelle Williams does it. Um, it's done at, at the end of Babylon. It's done at the end of Empire of Light. And I just wanted to yell at the screen Cinema Paradiso and Purple Rose of Cairo did it better than you. Stop. Uh, they did it in, um, what was that, um, Belfast? Yes. yes. A lot of that. And I'm, Stop. Just stop. We, yeah. we get movies are magic. Yeah, unless like, you're watching RRR, your face probably isn't that active. Yeah. <laughs> and like, and, or like, you know, weird characters that listen to phonographs and go to see black and white movies. And just, it's all about like, I'm weird, I'm interesting, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm a cinephile. Like, we get it. It is not a con- character-defining conclusive moment, and that's my problem with it. It's not. It's just telling you something they like. Yeah. And yeah. it's not really landing for me. Um, but it does get me want to talk briefly about Babylon because I'm in the minority. I love this movie. I saw it with you, Dennis, and you hated it from the second it started, and I loved it from the second well, it started. Well, hate is a strong word, but I wasn't going on the ride. <laughs> I felt like it was yeah. trying to be audacious and, ooh, look, the elephant's shitting all over everything. We're dangerous or something. I don't yeah. know. I wasn't on, I wasn't on board. Uh, yet I think it found something in the filmmaking process at the birth of cinema 
that resonated with me that I That's thought cool. it really did capture the sort of frenetic feeling that people must have had when they came out to California knowing about jobs and a new thing. And how exciting is that? And, you know, although I do think Margot Robbie was one high shrill note from beginning to end, I still got it. I got what she was trying to do in this film and it moved me. And I thought it, it, and Brad Pitt moved me in it. And I thought Gene Smart had the monologue of the movie when she tells him it's over for him. He's aged out and he's going to be forgotten and that's how it works. And I thought it had something to say. And yes, I think it does think it's trying to be edgy when it's not. And I just think that that's a factor of Damien Chazelle maybe not having that in him. That he's, he's not a renegade, he's a movie lover. And that he loves movies so much that you can't, he can't spoil it with shitting elephants and <laughs> alligators and Tobey Maguire looking like he's got typhus. I'm not sure what he's, what's going on there. Syphilis, maybe. But um, I just, I was moved by the love of the cinema. And yet when Diego Calvo looks at the screen at the end, I'm like, no, you are ruining this. And then the montage that follows ruins it. And I thought, you already had an ending. Stop. Yeah. But you still want that Avatar moment, that shot of Avatar. <laughs> so, Drew, what did you think of Babylon? Okay, I actually agree. I I loved the beginning of this movie. I was I was on board. I thought I, it captured the decadence, the just these just vile, you know, people that were just like fresh out of jail and the bar, and it was just like they're going to be extra, they're going to be stars, they're going to be. It captured the the what it must have been like in the 20s when it was really the Wild West of filmmaking. I loved the energy of it. I loved the shitting and the sex and the body fluids, and I loved all of that because it felt like what I, you know, I love the scene on the mountain where they're just making all these movies at the same time and all this is happening at once. I love the energy for it. I love that the movie was just punching you constantly. And then I hated the final 30 minutes of the movie, like to the, where I was like, what am I watching? I didn't need any of the, the studio tour. And when it turns into that, I'm, I, I, that montage with singing in the rain and avatar and all those other movies, I was like, is this the Oscars? I'm watching like the power of cinema. And I'm like, you're, you're completely discrediting what you set up in the first part of your movie about like movies are just like made by rotten, moralist, depraved people. And at the end, you're going, oh, the movies. And it felt like the Nicole Kidman commercial. And it was just sort of like, what movie are you making at the end? So I walked out of there going, oh, my God. And it's three hours and nine minutes, I think. So it's like we could have cut all that in. I just would have loved a movie about the 20s. Also, you just have to go into the the anachronism of it all because Margot Robbie is straight wearing, like, Halston looks with 70s, 80s hair. And there's a reference that no one's calling out, but Brad Pitt who I think is great in this movie. I think he's fantastic in the movie. He has a thing where he's saying, and he's like, it's in the montage, and he literally says, frankly, Scarlett, you're a cunt, is what he says. And it made me laugh. And then I realized it's 1925 or something in this moment. And that movie was, Gone with the Wind was 1939. Everyone who loves movies would know that when Gone with the Wind came out. So you just have to give any sort of sense of like, accuracy i think you have to throw that out the window and enjoy the ride i also went into that movie expecting nothing and thoroughly enjoyed thoroughly loved the first you know the half of the movie yeah what else you guys got i have four indies do that it. I, I really want to give uh, yeah give us your indie batch 
These are uh, okay. This one I only heard of it because it was nominated for Film Independent uh, for the Indie Spirit Awards. Yeah, and it was one of my favorite movies of the year. It's called The Cathedral, and I sadly saw that the same day. Sorry, a motorcycle. That's okay. I sadly saw that the same day that I saw The Fablemans, and they're very similar in terms of these family, uh, like trying to put my family together. It is the only movie I saw a year that was too short. I wanted it to be at least twice as long as it was. It's a very short movie, and it's mainly narrated through a series of photographs. I found it riveting. It's very gay. It is very. It is beautifully shot, and it's about being that kid and not fully understanding what's happening among adults and just seeing snippets. Uh, an amazing performance by Brian Darcy James. It is. It is a. I thought it a masterpiece. When it was over, I, I couldn't believe it. I wanted in even more. Um, another one I loved was Emily the Criminal. Um, that was on my list as one, well. One of my favorite performances of the year in Aubrey Plaza. I thought it was just an edge of your seat. A great, they don't make movies like this anymore. Like, uh, you know, a, a, a person who I thought was really great. I mean, she had a really checkered past, but I love this character. And she's an asshole in a, in a really great way. And, she gets in a bad situation. It gets, gets worse and worse and worse. And I highly recommend Emily the Criminal. Yeah. It's her dog day afternoon. 100%. Um, and then the other two are both um, uh, these um, young movies that I, I've seen so many movies like it that I think they elevate the art form. One of them was Cha-Cha Real Smooth, which I've seen so many Sundancey movies about like complicated characters and intergenerational relationships. And, and I thought it was... It was mind-blowing. I thought it was so beautifully done. I thought there were incredible performances in it. And I've seen so many movies, the indie Sundancey movies that try to be this, that I thought well, this head over head and shoulders above. And same with a, uh, another movie called Emergency that is able to show um, gun violence and race relations in an incredibly funny way with a gut punch with amazing performances in it, a fantastic, brilliant script. Check out Emergency as well. I loved all. Of, I loved these. Well, I agree about Emily the Criminal, which I think is the only one of those that I've seen. I liked the ending. I liked where it went. It was kind of a surprise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Glenn, what do you think of those four? Did you see any of them? Well, I saw Emily the Criminal and just totally agree. I love that film. It is an edge of your seat thriller. She. Uh, Aubrey Plaza, it's, I'm just so excited every time I see her perform because she is now pushing herself. She's not just the droll yeah. uh, goth girl anymore. And she is really expanding and just, she's become such an exciting actor to watch. And in this film in particular, just really just riveting. Uh, it, it, it really was just a fantastic and one of my favorites of the year. Um, I didn't see Cathedral, but that's high on my list. I, I really had heard great things. Uh, what were that that emergency? What was the fourth one? Cha Cha Real Smooth. Cha-cha Real Smooth. I saw and I really enjoyed it. I um, I, I thought the performances were great. I really like this guy. He does everything. He, he he. I've seen his other film as well before. Connor Ratliff, I think is his name. Yeah, and um, uh, he uh, he's just got a really lovable quality, and he loves to play kind of complicated, fucked up guys. Yeah. My only question with that is. Um, Dakota Johnson's motivations in the film baffled me. I wasn't really sure what she was doing and how she was treating him. It, it was very strange to me, but I loved, um, what is the actor's name who plays her husband, um, who was in Looking? 
Uh, oh, um, um, oh my God, I'm losing my mind. It's Raul it's fine. Castile. Because uh, he's got Raul an, Castile, who's also in. I have to one more. Yeah, he's got an amazing moment in Chacha Real Smooth where his character surprises you, and, and that he's not the character you think he is. And I just, I loved what he did with that. That that great moment at the car that he confronts our main character. And it just went, oh, I love this turn that this took. Excellent. Glenn, do you have any more movies that you want to talk about? What was the other Raul Castillo? Castillo? Okay, I just want to, I wrote down two performances that stood out. And Raul Castillo is amazing in this movie, but I, I think all the performances are amazing, but especially Gabriel Union in The Inspection. Yeah. Mind blow, but my favorite performance of the year, arguably, I, or, or it's up there, it's truly like, it, it is, it is uh, a revelation. It's Gabriel Union in the inspection. And Brian Tyree Henry in Causeway. Yeah, that's uh, on my another, list. Another performance that I just was uh, blown away by. So those were my two, like, oh, I just want to shout out these performances. Yeah. Um, but everyone in the inspection is, is and, and, and Jennifer Lawrence is great in Causeway. These are both other indies to, to definitely check out. I loved. With the inspection, Gabriel Union's... Uh, performance what i loved about it is that movie didn't hold back from what reality is with that character yes it didn't give you what you want it gave you what really happens and she wasn't fully a villain in a way that it wasn't a drawn it was a real person who was really struggling yeah with probably her own sexuality and definitely out of operating out of fear for her child on top of her homophobia and that scene with the salad, when he orders a salad in a restaurant and how it sends her over and you think that she's redeemed and he, just seeing him in public order a salad, how it triggered her in such a, oh God, I thought it was just chilling. And yeah. she didn't go into into um, stereotypical evil homophobic mother territory at all. Right. It's an overlooked performance, I thought. I thought she was incredible and she basically just bookends the movie and she, that's it. And she's, yeah, you don't forget her. Yeah. Also, I love that it's a breakthrough for her. Like, she, you don't associate her with with those kind of roles, and uh, yeah, I it's know. It's fun it's to see somebody funny. showing you some new new colors for sure. Yeah, Jeremy Pope, I think, is remarkable in it in the way yeah. that he plays with masculinity and femininity in his characterization. That I think really works, and it's not you know, it's not officer and a gentleman. He's doing something really different, even though it's kind of that movie. It's similar yeah. in a lot of ways, but he. Um, he, I think, is just a, it's a really honest performance. I, I, I appreciated that. Um, um, so, guys, how do we feel? Do you have any more that you haven't talked about that you wanted to talk about? I have a last one, and it's an indie that became a blockbuster that is probably going to be considered the movie of the year, uh, which is Everything Everywhere All at Once. I really don't like superhero movies, and I, I'm just not a fan. And this is a superhero movie that I think is done right. It is all over the place. It's a hot mess. But I just think that the the four leads give such vivid performances that it sold me on a movie that you can't really comprehend. I love the, I think it's the IMDb description of the movie that just says a family struggles to file their taxes. Is Because <laughs> right. I think that brings it home for me because that is the heart of the movie and the heart of the mother-daughter story of a mother and her queer daughter that I think is touching and moving and incredibly well-performed by everybody uh, that I think it over that that outshined this hot mess of this movie's about everything. There, it's every subject. It's every scene. It's everything. 
and it's really overdone, yet it, I thought it was powerfully performed to where it really is going to be a memorable one for me. It's an inspiring movie because it's a humble, like, you know, shot in some office park in Santa Clarita or wherever, you know, and it became this thing that's really connecting with people. So it, it probably is the movie of the year in some ways, for sure. What did you think of that movie, Drew? Um, I, okay, so when it wins, I think it will win Best Picture. Um, I will not be as angry as I was last year when Coda won because I, <laughs> I, I, I hate that movie so much. I, this movie is just not for me. I, I totally, gosh, I'm blown away by the filmmaking. I did think the actors were wonderful. Um, I, I thought they did, they did incredible work. I just, um, it was truth in advertising. The title was, was everything. I just, five minutes in, I was like, I want off this ride. I'm so, I felt like a badly shaken cat in a box. I just it, and, you thought you also, were seeing it in 4x, but you were actually I was just seeing it in 4x. I just I felt like <laughs> when you're basically saying there are no rules, the rules are there are no rules, and you keep inventing realities and invent more and more realities. It was a bad dream that I just wanted to wake up from and take a breath because I, I hated the hot dog fingers thing. I I did not find it funny except for Jamie Lee Curtis, who I thought was funny, but the rest of it, I was like, I'm not relating to this. I don't care what's happening. I can't follow what's happening. They don't care what's happening. It's just, let's throw as much shit as we possibly can into the mix. Now, I recognize it as groundbreaking, and I get what it, you know, and I'm already, like, stealing myself up for, like, okay, fine, it's going to win Best Picture, uh, you know, uh, whatever. It's, it, you know, and, and it will be one that will, will be remembered. I mean, it, it will be something that will be studied, and it, people will go back to it, and for that, I give it. You know, I, I recognize the thing. It was just not not for me. Right. Well, I think what I really liked about it is when it went crazy and lost you, the actors would bring you back. I'm glad that it's not a Sundancey movie, yet it's a Sundance yeah. topic. Yeah. That's where – that I think it just, like, kind of blew the lid off of that style, that type of movie. Yeah. And it's somewhere very populist. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably why it caught on because it's for – People who love superhero movies, yet it's people who like these family dramas. Yeah. And married them in a way that I thought, okay, that's cool, and I really appreciate it. Yeah. I'm sure our listeners are going, when are you going to talk about, talk about uh, Channing Tatum and Dog? Um, maybe <laughs> another time. You know what? I actually enjoyed that movie. Um, but, you know, Chan, we're friends. I call him Chan. And, uh, yeah, it was... I'm friends with Dog. You're... <laughs> I want to see a double feature of Dog and Plane. Um, and then hopefully they'll make a movie called Table, and uh, yeah. it'll be everything we've always wanted. I love doing this every year. I love me the movies. Too. Thank you so much for having me. I love doing this. I love it too. Um, I, you know, I was thinking recently all the awards topics: who's going to win, who got shunned, and yes, it's all bullshit and all of that. But it's a, a time when a whole lot of people are talking about art, um, for better yeah. or worse, and I think that's exciting because I think art and I love it art's what makes the world go round. So. Thanks for I, uh, sharing your thoughts today. And I just want to end on this tidbit since you brought up Dog. Yes. A little, little fun fact I read the other day is that Channing Tatum needed a lot of butt makeup for Magic Mike's Last Dance because he got injured on the set of Dog. And so he, they had to cover up some bite mark that he got. They didn't say it was from a dog, but let's assume. Right. And 
Uh, um, and so I think that that it's a very nice bookend to this year in film. I think so. I think it says a lot. I think there's a metaphor for us. I'm going to text Chan right about it uh, right now. I'm when sure we get off, this time next out. year we're going to be talking about Magic Mike's Last Dance. Oh, for sure. I can't um, wait to go see it. I love those movies. All right, guys, yeah, thank you so much for, uh, for jumping in and sharing your point of view. And uh, we'll see you next year. Thank you. Thanks. All right, thanks again to Drew Drogi and Glenn Gaylord for sharing their opinions and their love for movies with us. All right, so this happened. Okay, a couple weeks ago, you know, I've had some health issues over, like, December, January. I got COVID and then digestion and weird. Like, it was a, it's been a lot. So at one point in that odyssey, I had scheduled a, a stress test, um, to, you know, the one where you jog on the treadmill. And the night before I was to do it, I was really having a bad night. I had a lot of anxiety about my main day job. And long story short, I didn't sleep. But I showed up to this stress test. I was like, I signed up for this. I have not slept. Can I still do it? And they're like, well, we can try it. So long story short, I aced the stress test on no sleep, stressed out of my mind, like not having a good time. But... um, I got through it, and the main doctor that analyzed the findings of the stress test, it's when you're on the treadmill and they kept speeding it up, he's like, well, you're alive. And I was like, you know what? I am alive. (laughs) I don't know why that landed. I think as long as we're alive, things can change. Things can get better. But I think about that a lot. Well, you're alive. There's that. All right, that's it for this week and our movie wrap-up shows. Thanks again to Glenn and Drew. I want to give a shout-out to AJ Sousa for mixing the episodes. JB Bercy uploads them. My theme music is by Mark Daniels for placement music. We'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye! Bye!